0: This is the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast, presented by eCity Interactive. eCity creates websites, marketing campaigns, and magic for higher ed institutions, large and small. Every digital challenge has a solution. eCity's talented team of problem solvers will help you find yours. And now, here's your host, Stephen App. Hey, everybody, and welcome to season two, episode 14 of the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast. I am your host, as always, Steve An App. Uh, really important show today. And, you know, I think I've actually said that in previous shows where I've said, you know, we've got an important topic today. And a lot of times, you know, that means, you know, it's an important topic that you should consider because uh, it's about, you know, a real trend in today's higher education marketing. Today, I think it goes beyond that. This is honestly just a very important topic and conversation that we need to be having. Um, and I am so excited to be welcoming John McBride, the media relations and social media manager from Brigham Young University, or as you probably know it, BYU, to help us have this conversation. We're talking uh, sexual assault on campus, and in particular, the way uh, that BYU raised awareness of this issue on their campus this past spring. Uh, so look, I'm going to get out of the way. Let's let John have the floor. Let's, let's talk about this really important topic. Uh, John McBride, thank you so much for joining the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Stephen. Um, excited to be involved for sure and uh, looking forward to our conversation today.
0: Yeah. So I want to to talk, you know, kind of at a high level and set the stage for the show today. And I actually think um, before I even have you talk about the the campaign that you launched, I want to play the audio from the Instagram post that kind of kicked off this Instagram story. So let's play that clip and then we'll talk about the campaign in more detail after that.
1: Hi, BYU. On today's Instagram story, we will be talking about an important topic on our campus as well as other campuses throughout the country, sexual assault.
0: Specifically, we will inform you how to help someone who's experienced sexual assault, show
1: you where to go, and introduce you to people who can help.
0: So, John, I mentioned you know how important this is, and I think, honestly, you, know, you released this campaign back in February, and I think it's somewhat fitting that here we are now in, in late September... Talking about this topic, and sexual assault is, of course, all over our headlines right now. This is a, a really, you know, important topic for for all of society. Um, for those who, who didn't see this back in February, you know, I think the best place to start is honestly with this, you know, can, can you explain for our listeners what this campaign entailed, what the campaign was about? Uh, you know where you publish this content? Can you can you just give us kind of a high level overview of of this campaign for BYU?
1: Sure. Yeah, happy to do so. Um, really, this this came about as you know we and universities throughout the country right now, and and going back a number of years now, uh, you know we've all been faced with with issues on campus relating to sexual assault, and and it and it seems like a lot of universities struggle to figure out, and we did as well. Uh, to figure out how to effectively, you know, insert yourself into the discussion effectively. Um, and, and a lot of what we see and out of necessity is reactive messaging, right? You know, it's 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 being asked about a specific case or incident or student. And really, when you look at those cases, uh, because of FERPA laws, there, there really isn't much, if anything, universities can say there or should say there um, regarding specific cases, so what it, what it turns out being here's a here's a problem on campus uh, relating to sexual assault, and we're uh, turning to the university for comment, and the university you know can talk about policy, can talk about uh, broad kind of con- conceptual stuff there, but um, really it's it's reactive messaging. It isn't the most effective. Uh, so with this campaign, we were looking for a way to have some proactive messaging in a positive, helpful way. Uh, so we, we talked about resources, specifically what we wanted to do with this was, was talk about resources available on campus for survivors of sexual assault and what to do if your friend comes to you and needs help. Um, so, so getting to that point, uh, we'll kind of talk about that as we go through today, but that was kind of a strategic thing on our end that we, we weren't just looking to speak to, hey, if, if you've been assaulted, here's what you need to know. Um, you know, that can be a, a jarring kind of one-on-one discussion. And it can also alienate those who think, oh, well, I haven't been assaulted. And so this topic really isn't important to me at all. Um, but we wanted to talk to every single BYU student and we used data. We, we, we looked at our campus climate survey, which said two out of three students uh, who, who go through an assault turn first to a friend or roommate. Before family, before you know Title IX on campus or anything like that, they're turning to a friend or roommate. And uh, those friends and roommates need to be well-equipped to, to have that really important discussion with them. So we, we turned to them and we said, hey, here's what you need to know every single BYU student to, to be a, an effective community and help those going through a really hard time. Um, so we published this to our uh, Instagram story. And um, we can kind of talk about that as we go through it, but this was uh, pretty strategic to put it on Instagram, put it in the story, be where our students are. And, uh, and yeah, we kind of just went from there.
0: Hmm. I mean, you said, John, I think you're absolutely right. Like, I think if we're being realistic, every university at some point in time is, is going to have to, or has had to deal with this issue. I'm wondering for BYU in particular, you know, how did this idea come up to proactively uh, publish content about this? Because to your point, for so many institutions, this is this is about reactive messaging.
1: Yeah. So the idea actually first came up, and, and this is, I think, an important takeaway for for all of higher ed communicators. Um, the, the idea came up from a student, uh, a student we were interviewing, a freshman actually for a job interview. And we and this was toward this this was a number of years ago now I guess it was two and a half years ago or so and and we asked her okay you know um, something that we're, we're dealing with is, is a lot of messaging around sexual assault right now and you've probably seen some of the stories and, and things going on here on campus and you know she was a freshman and she kind of said well I I haven't really seen any of that um, you, you know and and so we talked through. You know what would be the most effective way to reach students in talking about these issues and she recommended Instagram and that was back you know before Instagram even had stories functionality mm-hmm. and uh, well it was very much you know pictures of food and selfies and and so at that point we thought well that that's a fascinating idea and something for us to look into a little bit more but we didn't really know how we were going to do it so so it took us time to figure out just the best way to do this and uh, thankfully, after that, our campus climate survey came out, which, which took the pulse of campus really, really well and got a huge response rate from current students, we found data that really motivated us to do it and gave us an in. So, so, so I mentioned you know, that one data point that two out of three students turned to a friend or roommate first. But another data point from that survey was that most students didn't know what to say they wanted to help. they wanted to be that resource, but they didn't know how to. So it was a really natural entry point for us at that point. okay, well let's show you how to show you how to be a resource. Um, so so yeah, thing it, it took a while after that initial idea, but um, eventually uh, it turned out really well.
0: You know, I think it it speaks to you to you and your team's character that that you were immediately open to this concept. when I when I first saw this, my first thought was, Okay, you know, how did they actually get institutional and executive approval for this? Because in my mind, you know, I envision this situation John where where you're approaching a campus executive and and that individual is, you know, looking to you to share, you know, obviously really exciting photos of campus and, you know, other content that convinces prospective students to enroll at BYU. And now you're coming to to this individual and saying, "We're going to run a campaign about sexual assault on campus, can you give me a behind-the-scenes look at, you know, what some of those initial conversations were like? I imagine it's a really tough conversation to have, and and of course, you know, without getting yourself in too much trouble, if, you know, if relevant, um, you know, did you encounter any resistance on this idea?
1: Yeah, the the institutional buy-in part of this was really, really important, and, and, and I, looking back on it now, it we handled it, I think, in a pretty effective way, and uh, it turned out to be pretty strategic on, on, on what we did. Um, to, to answer your question straight off, really, there wasn't any pushback. And, and I think part of that was because of how we approached the process here. Uh, but part of that was we, we were just very thankful to have high-level administrators who, who understood as we were talking to them, like, like these are important messages to get across and this is our most effective place to do it. So let's do it really well. And uh, and so, yeah, the the process is kind of interesting to, to go back through. I, I mean, all of us who, who work on uh, college campuses are aware there's some red tape to go through on even the most menial project. And so so we knew we needed to get by and th- there might be some red tape here or there. Um, b- but initially, when we started working on the project, we, we got... Uh, approval from our boss she said go ahead put this together yeah this will be great Um, and so we only approached our our high-level VPs Um, this went before legal counsel on campus uh, you know just to make sure we're wording things correctly there Um, but we didn't approach them until we had a finished really a finished looking product to show them so we went through the script Um, the script was actually took us like two months to, to put together um, and we were going to different professors on campus, our Title IX office on campus, our, our uh, survivor advocate on campus, and we were asking them at every step through this process of putting the script together, is this worded right? Is this worded right? Um, we filmed the whole thing, and then we showed uh, the VPs and legal counsel um there was one specific part, and really this was a positive thing. Um, there was one specific part that legal counsel found some wording that needed to be changed just a little bit. There, there was one thing set on camera that wasn't worded quite the right way. Um, so we, we took that, instead of us- using the actual video, we turned that into a text portion of the video, um, which was a positive thing because it, it drew more attention to it, I think, and it was a nuanced sort of wording policy thing. Um, so that was good, but, uh, but yeah, the, the buy-in happened, um, that was important to get, but I think it was important that we put together that finished product first to show them instead of going to them just uh, conceptually, this is what we want to do, you know, to show them, hey, look at how polished and strategic and effective this is going to be, look at our experts we have on camera here, the students doing a good job walking through. Um, so that idea of showing rather than just telling, I, I think was really important.
0: Wow, that is that is interesting to me that that you put so much time and effort into basically building this campaign before you even had you know institutional buy-in. Was there was there ever a moment, John, where you, where you were producing this and obviously putting in, like I said, the time and effort and and in the back of your mind thinking this may never actually see the light of day?
1: That that might have been in the back of my mind a, a couple times, but I felt like this was such an important thing. For us to get out there um, even if i spent all this time it didn't see the light of day i'd rather go through the effort and really swing for the fences here um, and and do this really well and just give us the the best percentage chance possible to get this out there so so all of that work i felt like was part of the pitch right instead of just storyboarding instead of just getting a concept in in front of our high level administrators it was Let's do everything possible to make this look really, really, really good um, and, and give them as many reasons as possible to say yes on this. Wow.
0: A couple of things that, that you mentioned that I want to to talk about in a little bit more detail here uh, in terms of what this post looked like. Um, you mentioned your team's decision um, to share this campaign via a series of Instagram stories. Uh, can you talk about you know why you felt that was important, uh, that channel versus other channels? I know you mentioned when this idea first came to to your on your radar that Instagram stories wasn't even a capability yet. so I'm curious how how you evolved and really focused in on this platform.
1: Yeah, uh, So part of this strategy, as I said, was to be where the students are and to to talk to them where they are. Um, we felt like that was really important. Uh, we knew they're on Instagram. Um, so we wanted to talk to them there and, and, and we saw, uh, this was right at a point where I was reading from a few different outlets that story consumption was just about to, to hit a tipping point and overtake feed consumption on Instagram. And so, so we knew those were being used and utilized. I mean, if this was in the early days of Instagram stories, we, we probably wouldn't have done it, but we were at a point where we saw all indication being, okay, like this is, Uh, this is being utilized, this is effective. And we saw that in our own analytics too. We had a takeover series that was doing really, really well there. Um, But really, the the thing that turned out to be the most important with using Instagram stories was the private direct message functionality. And that wasn't an initial, you know, that wasn't something that said, oh, this is the reason we're going to do this. But looking back on the decision to use Instagram stories, that was maybe the most important part of this was uh, we, we created a really safe space for students to send us private direct messages because really that's your only way to interact with an Instagram story, right? Um, to send that DM at the bottom, you can't really like, comment, or share in a, in a public setting like you would with, on other social channels, but you can send this private direct message. So we really leaned into that and in the story, if, if you watch the story right at the end, um, the student narrator is walking them through it. Said, "Okay, like now we want you to ask us questions. Use the DM function here. We have a team of experts who are going to be standing by. They're going to answer your questions. Um, let's have a conversation and keep this going. Um, and so we can talk a bit more about the maybe social listening part of this later on. But but really, just to give you an idea, we we had a room full of experts. The from uh, a nursing professor." Our Title IX director, um, our survivor advocate, who is probably the most important. You know, she's the one who's working with these students on the ground level and walking them through all of the process of healing and helping them through this. So she was right there in the room answering DMs with us all day once this story launched, um, and, and really like it, it was one of those moments where you sit back and, and you just think, "Wow, like this is happening." Um, this is happening through social media this is happening through an instagram story such a high level important conversation um, that we're reaching students who were directly in crisis students who said you know i was assaulted x number of days weeks months ago and this is something i'm struggling with i need help Uh, and to have that victim advocate right there and and giving us the wording to specifically reach out and what can be a very nuanced conversation um, was just a really, really incredible experience. And and really, I don't know if that would have happened uh, if we were doing this on other social channels. Obviously, you can send DMs on other social channels, but with this being so readily apparent and immersive right there through the story, uh, that turned out to be a really, really huge part of of that specific tool.
0: Hmm. I definitely want to make sure we we come back to that. The topic of the support staff, kind of standing, uh, standing behind the scenes and ready to address those questions. Uh, but there's two other things that I wanted to make sure we touched on in terms of, you know, aspects of this campaign that I felt like were were intentional and important. Um, one is that you had, and you've mentioned this, you you had two students who were narrating this series of Instagram stories and. Uh, you know, they appeared intermittently in the campaign, you know, in and out of these text images as well. Uh, how did you pick the students f- to, to kind of narrate this campaign? And how important was it to find the right students to talk about this topic?
1: Yeah, this was extremely important. And and obviously we hear in higher ed all the time, especially, but throughout the social media industry, how important peer-to-peer Communication is right now. And so, so, these students we felt like was important to, to use them to help walk these other students through the process. Um, you know, it's a peer to peer thing, it's not just the institution coming out and saying, Listen to us and listen, to how important we are. Um, you know, these are students like them. So, so that was part of it. Uh, you mentioned, How did we pick them? Um, we wanted to pick students. Who came across as authentic? These were not actors. These were not from our theater department. They weren't, you know, bubbly cheerleaders. They weren't Instagram influencers. These were real students who were genuinely interested in this topic. They wanted to lend their voices, and uh, and we really felt they could provide the right tone here. Uh, you know, the tone was kind of tricky. We we didn't want this to be you know, as I said, something really bubbly or, or entertaining or cheerleader-ish. But uh, we also didn't want it to be, you know, like a funeral. We, we, we needed to find the right tone. Um, right. And we felt like they, they did that really well. Um, the other important thing in, in working with these students and, and figuring out how to use, um, we actually sat down with them beforehand, before we were in this process at all, and, and you know, explain to them what we were looking to do, what the script would be like, uh, ask them if they wanted to be involved, and then we gave them some pretty straight talk and said that you know they needed to, to make sure if they're going to be the face of this uh, topic on campus for us that they needed to understand what that meant. Um, specifically, we said you know they needed to make sure they didn't have any skeletons in the closet. Like what, when when you're talking about sexual assault. Um, you got to make sure someone isn't g- gonna come out and and leverage some sort of complaint against you on the topic. I mean, that would be one of those worst case scenario things with this. So so we needed to make sure they they felt comfortable with this. they they felt like they were able to do it and, and willing to do it. Um, but yeah, we felt like they provided a really important voice and, and part of this and 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 they were really great.
0: John, were these students, I guess two follow-up questions uh, one, were these students campus tour guides or, um, you know, interns in a certain department where you were able to identify them among, you know, obviously a sea of of potential options? Um, and two, in terms of, you mentioned giving them the straight talk and, and avoiding a worst case scenario. I mean, was there any kind of formal uh, procedure in making sure that okay, you know we think these students are, are free of, of skeletons, so to speak, or um, was it really just having a conversation with them and just kind of almost taking them at their word and, and you, trusting your gut?
1: Yeah, it was really just that straight talk and sitting down with them and, and, and trusting them. I mean, uh, we felt like they, as consumers of social media right now and, and in this current climate, they understood pretty well You know what what this meant uh, because they've seen everything else that's happening with the me too movement and and everything else on social so so i don't think so we didn't do any digging to to answer your question uh, kind of behind the scenes we just you know gave them the straight talk made sure they understood what this meant and then trusted them with their response Um, but how we found them specifically summer the the female uh, student in the story she actually works in our office she was recently recently hired as one of our social media students and it was really interesting in her job interview you know we asked her about you know why she wanted this job and she made this really interesting point about how she's always felt like she wanted to be involved in in helping the university but not necessarily in student leadership or a student government position but she felt like she's always felt like she wanted to lend her voice to be helpful Um, to help the university out in some sort of way, uh, in in some sort of leadership behind the scenes way, I I think is how she phrased it. And so when this project came up, it just felt like it really aligned with, with what she wanted to do and that this was a way Um, to lend her voice, and to lead out on a very, very important topic on campus. Mm -hmm. And so so she really felt that, and she she ran with that. And so uh, right off the bat, we had her. And I'm I'm glad you asked this follow-up, Stephen, because I I forgot to mention this earlier. Uh, Initially, she was going to be the lone narrator for the story. It wasn't until we went through the script with one of the professors on campus who said, now you're going to have a female and male student, right? And and we said, "Well, it was just going to be a female." And she said, "You know, it 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 might be better to have both because males have a tendency to tune out on this topic, especially you know, if they haven't been a, a victim or survivor, they think this doesn't apply to them and they can tune out pretty quickly. So, having a male voice is one kind of easy way to talk to male students better. And so, we thought that was a great idea and uh, we approached Summer about that and asked her if she knew anyone specifically who she'd feel comfortable with, um, who they'd have kind of some good. You know, a good repertoire with could could talk together well and collaborate well in this project with. And so, uh, so John, the other student, was a friend of hers that she had met through a study abroad program earlier, and felt like he uh, was passionate about this subject as well and would do a good job. And and really, we felt like both of them came together really well.
0: That's incredible. And like I mentioned, you know, the the students aren't in every shot. You're you're having them talk on camera, and then you're you're interspersing that with text. Um, can you talk about the decision to mix mix in your your text based photos with the video clips instead of just having these students kind of narrate the entire production
1: yeah this this was an important part as well we 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 wanted to, well we knew right off the bat this wasn't going to be your typical instagram story right so so we we wanted to have a really high production quality and and really signal to our students right away that this is something different you know pay attention to this. Um, so, so it was high quality visuals shot really well, um, with, with using a lot of text overlays. Um, uh, but yeah, we understood some students when they saw this, it was published, I believe at 9am in the morning, they were going to be in class and maybe they were scrolling through Instagram and saw this. And so we needed to find a way to not just have talking heads on there and, uh, to signal to people who are watching this without sound what was happening. So, so that was part of using the text uh, overlays for that sort of thing. Um, but also one specific part, you know, we, we mentioned that the overall goal here was to show resources available on campus. And so uh, midway or early on in the story, uh, we had a couple screens that were just the actual resources, the address and the phone number. And we actually said specifically in the story, like, get ready to screenshot these two screens and just save these mm-hmm. images on your phone. Um, mm-hmm. So part of it was a functionality thing, right? Like, like it was easier to have text images of that sort of thing, just to functionally help the students with that, as opposed to students saying, okay, you can find this one office in this one area, and here's the phone number, you know, type it down on your phone as you're listening. You know, it's just kind of a clunky process. So some of it was just uh, trying to have some good uh, user design, I guess, and and make it easier for them to navigate. Also, uh, but but the video clips were good. We wanted to have these experts on camera. That was a big part of it to be able to show students. You know, this is specifically who you would go and talk to. This is how personable they are. This is how kind they are, this is what the process is gonna be like with them. Um, so, so really, it couldn't just be the students, it couldn't just be the text, it couldn't just be the experts, um, but uh, finding the right mix of that was important for us.
0: Hey everyone, the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast is part of ConnectEDU, a podcast network bringing together brilliant minds in the higher ed space and breaking down silos. You can check it out at connectedu.network where you can find great shows no matter where you work on campus as well as resources for first-time and long-time podcasters. You can also follow along on Twitter at ConnectEDUPod and hashtag ConnectEDU. John, I want to talk about the actual post uh, itself. You know, of course now, months later, looking back at it, you know, you're just looking through these, these story updates, you know, in rapid succession as, as they progress. I wonder just from a logistical standpoint, from the first video to the last, how long did it take you to post these images?
1: Yeah, this was a surprisingly stressful part of this. Um, I mean, Instagram doesn't have a batch loading kind of process for, for these stories. So, you know, it's, it's this, it, it's these weird logistics of importing and saving and exporting and uploading from computer to phone. And, and yeah, it just took a while. Um, I think I even missed one of the segments on, my, on the first up upload through like, cause I'm trying to keep track of where all these are on my phone and which one I did last. And some of the visuals look the same. Um, so at one point I missed a segment in the middle. Luckily I noticed really quickly after all of them were uploaded, but I had to delete every segment after that and then re-upload all of those. It was a bit of a clunky clunky process. So, I mean, it was worth it because, um, you know, for all the reasons I talked about earlier, this platform was the right place to put this. Um, But logistics-wise, it it took a little while to, I I mean, really, I'm talking about a five-minute span, but that felt like ages in what I'm used to in social media posting, right? Um, so I, I wish there was some sort of better option there to bulk upload on Instagram or something like, like how Twitter lets you thread all of the tweets in a row. Um, right. but I understand that's not Instagram's biggest priority right now. So, so yeah, the logistics of posting were kind of nutty, but, uh, it ended up, ended up working fine in the end.
0: Yeah, I want to talk, I want to return to something you mentioned earlier, which was the support personnel that were standing behind the scenes, uh, ready to respond to student inquiries after this campaign launched. Uh, can you talk me through the process of, of how you secured that support for students while you were posting this story?
1: Yeah. So, so, so really looking at this part of the experience, um, really if we did anything right, I really feel like this was it. Um, we we knew as we were going through um, the early stages of planning this, that students would have some questions. We didn't know how many they would have, but we knew they would have some. And those questions that they would have could be pretty nuanced and tricky for us as just social media managers to, to try to answer. So uh, really with all the experts, as we were going through the script with them, it, it was an extremely collaborative experience overall, which was really cool for a social project like this. And something I want to do more often with with just our average projects, but they were helping us through every step of the way, through the script and the filming and the editing and everything. Um, so as we were in that process, we, we mentioned this to them. Okay, once this posts, this is what it's gonna be like. You know, we're, students are gonna have questions, they're gonna be asking things. What we wanna do is to bring you in a room with us that day. Just bring your laptop, you can work on other work, you know, if there aren't current questions coming in, but plan to be there for the day with us if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had people cycling in and out. Not everyone was able to stay all day. One of the professors, our nursing professor, actually was called to uh, the Utah State Legislature that day to help with some um, sexual assault uh, legislation that, that she was uh, an expert in. And so we understood like she needed to be there. But we had some questions. We actually fed her the night before and said, okay, we're wondering if students might ask X, Y, and Z how would you respond to that? So we had that ready to go just in case those questions came in. Um, but it was it was an absolutely incredible day. Uh, honestly, sitting there in that room with those people, seeing the types of DMs we were getting. Uh, we ended up getting more than 100 direct messages. Uh, as I said, wow. s- some of those were from students directly in crisis. Some were from Uh, friends of students in crisis and how to best help them and and when i say nuanced questions you know it's friends saying hey my friend was assaulted and i've talked to him or her about that experience uh they they don't see it as a big deal they don't want to get help but it's causing these problems like how hard should i push what are some things i can do and say to help kind of nudge them along to get the help they need like like just really difficult questions for me to answer personally but to see these experts answer them in such an effective and strategic way was really really incredible um so yeah to, to step back and to see that happening was just so cool and, and really probably my my favorite and most important day in the office ever professionally i don't know if i'll have another one to top that just to see the impact we were making there uh, was really really incredible
0: yeah, boy, and and just listening to you mention that that one sample question, right? As you're saying it in my head, I'm thinking, my goodness, how would I even start to answer that question? I, I mean, it really speaks to the importance of getting these subject matter experts in the room and and being able to uh, to respond to those questions. I, I imagine pretty quickly. I mean, John, how? Soon after posting these updates, were you getting these DMs? You mentioned over 100.
1: Yeah. So we were keeping just a Google Doc that we all had access to in that room. And as the questions came in, one of us would kind of, again, this was a clunky sort of process, but it worked. Uh, One of us would transcribe the question into the document. We'd assign that to an expert in the room. Depending on how complex it was, I mean, some of those responses took a good... 15 to 20 minutes, maybe, just to to get everyone's opinion of how to best say it. Um, Others were, I mean, immediate one to two minute responses, which were really important. Uh, A really cool metric from this, actually, is that we checked in with the title IX office and the uh survivor advocate afterward and we saw this during the day so that's why we checked in but you know they were scheduling appointments through the instagram dms that day like like a a, a student in crisis would ask a question we'd send a response they'd send another um, reply to that and say okay when can i come in and meet with you and so they're scheduling uh new appointments there they saw Um, I believe the wording they said is, is they saw a significant upticks in appointments, uh, that, that next week and month going forward, um, which we think was a direct, uh, you know, indication of the success of this project. And so, uh, we were really glad to see that.
0: Yeah, that is, that's incredible. Um, you you mentioned John, that this originated on Instagram and, and you talked a lot about why that was the right platform for you to disseminate this message, um, I'm curious, you know, were there were there other channels that you pushed this out to? You know, I noticed I saw a tweet from BYU that that uh, directed people to the Instagram post. Um, you know, even though that d- private DM capability was really important for you, you know, how else did you try to expand the reach um of this topic?
1: Yeah, the the promotion side of this was really important and, and really this is this is a major focus of our department here in University Communications, we've historically been a very media relations focused uh, sort of shop and setup here. And so so sending these kind of pitches and, and getting things promoted like this is something we were used to and, and we're very cognizant of early on in the process as well. Um, we, we knew this wasn't your typical flashy, entertaining Instagram story, as I said. So, so we felt like this would need a bit more of a push just to get students there. And also just because of the importance of the topic, we wanted to make sure as many eyeballs saw this as possible. Um, so yeah, we we're pushing to it from you know our official university platforms on Twitter and Facebook. Um, we also have a social media committee on campus and we have a Facebook group for that committee, which is just anyone on campus who runs any social account, uh, for a group associated with BYU. Um, we posted there and said, Hey, if you, if you can help direct from your accounts to this, this is really important. That'd be great. Um, And then we went to a bit of a influencer model outside of that. And I guess that's kind of a micro-influencer model with our uh, committee there. But uh, we ended up sending out emails the day before the story launched to a number of influential individuals. Um, We have a street team on campus, uh, which is students here who have a bit of social influence and, and have... Uh, Influenced in a number of different areas on campus. That's a pretty diverse group that we have um, that we gave Some assets to them including the first part of the Instagram story with like a filter over it and a text overlay Showing people how to get to the story Um, We explained to them that they didn't have to use that they create their own, but that's just an example of what to do then uh, we we asked them to make sure to like, comment, and share. You know, help kind of amplify this, and so that street team was big. Um, and then we also actually used our experts in the story to help pitch this to media for us. We, we felt like we weren't going to write a press release and say, "Look at how great BYU is for what they're doing on Instagram." Um, but one of our uh, the, the one of our nursing professors who was in the video, she actually offered, like, "Hey, can I send?" An email to media and let them know that this is happening. She, you know, media is contacting her all the time. She felt like she could uh, have some good influence there. So she pitched that, and uh, that ended up bringing some really important news coverage to this the day of as well. We had some news crews here on campus, um, and they wanted the Instagram story beforehand. And so we had to explain Mm -hmm. to them, like, we don't want you to show this obviously before it launches, but here's the full video. And so we actually sent this as an embargoed Instagram story, which we're not sure if anyone's ever done that with news media before, but um, it was just a bit of a, a wild experience to figure out, okay, where are all of the places we can put this um, and, and how can we direct to this the best way? And and it worked really well. The, the story itself had uh, 24,000 plus, of uh, v- unique views on the story, which for us is higher than average than our typical you know fun engaging Instagram story. So so the promotion side of it, uh, disseminating this message to as many places as possible, um, we felt was pretty effective.
0: John, I want to talk about you know maybe some some perspective now that, that you might have several months, you know after after this first went live. Um, I, I think first, you know, how has this experience, changed your willingness to, to tackle other difficult topics on campus.
1: Yeah, this really opened my eyes to what we can accomplish through social media. And, and I know we're not unique here at BYU in doing this sort of subject. Uh, Nikki Sundstrom, uh, she's a huge influencer in this world of higher ed social uh, social media at University of Michigan. Um, she spoke to this at EduWeb a couple years ago, talking about, you know, we've got to get past. Or you know memes and cat videos, you know that's what's lived on social media for so long. We've got to start using our social influence for good and, and have impact. And and so that really inspired us to to do this honestly. Um, but but going through it yourself and then seeing the reaction and seeing that impact firsthand. It really opens your eyes as to, to other things you can do. So, so, yeah, we're looking to tackle some more difficult topics. We actually have a, a follow-up to this story that we're going to uh, do coming up in the next, hopefully, month or so. Um, but we want to zero in specifically on the topic of consent. Uh, so, so I think that's going to be good. We're, we're through a script there and, and moving forward. Uh, With that, we want to do some active shooter training through Instagram stories. Uh, Again, a kind of a a tough but important topic. Uh, I think there's a lot of ways we're looking at doing things differently now. Um, But really, with handling difficult topics like this, it really does take strategy to find the best entry point. Uh, It felt like the stars just kind of aligned for us as far as that campus climate survey, the, the data points that we saw. Um, it gave us a really natural way to talk about this, and and really this was after some difficult things on campus had some room to breathe, after some negative press, after some hard things that our office had to talk through. Uh, we had some time and space, and it felt like the right time to put this forward. So so I'm definitely willing to tackle other difficult topics and more often on social, but but also looking back on this, I've got to do it strategically in the right way and in the right time. So John,
0: you know, this kind of leads me into my next question which is, you know, for for professionals who are on other campuses and are inspired by what you've done at BYU and the impact that you've made on your student body, you know, for those who are thinking about maybe addressing a serious topic, maybe it's sexual assault, maybe it's something different, you know, on their own campus through social media, you know, what advice would you give to those listeners?
1: Yeah, I think the the strategy part of this is really important. Um, so, so, first of all, I'd say don't be afraid to do it, but be extremely strategic in how you do it. Um, but, but I'd say I I also learned from this, and this might be a bit of an abstract response to what you asked. But um, it, it, I think it was important for me to learn how good it felt to make a difference in doing something like this. And that's not to say that you know my other. Work that I do day in and day out isn't important or impactful, but this was especially so. This was like this was rewarding far beyond the paycheck at the end of the day. I mean, this stuff feels good. Um, it it was a lot of work, way more work than I've probably put in in any other project uh, that I've done here, but definitely, definitely worth it. So, so the advice that I'd give is is definitely don't be afraid to tackle this sort of thing. Don't be afraid to work hard on it and then realize that you're going to have a pretty good payoff. Hey,
0: everyone. A quick shout out to the agency that makes this show possible, eCity Interactive. You know, I really do love coming to work every day at eCity, and that's not just because everyone shares my love of donuts. Uh, But that's really because I get to collaborate with a talented team working on everything from user experience to content and digital marketing, to web design and development, and a whole lot more. Our work has earned us an incredible roster of education clients, including the University of Pennsylvania, George Washington University, Petty School, Cornell, Drexel, Rutgers, and many others. So if you're looking to improve your web and digital presence and better communicate your school's story, visit us online at ecityinteractive.com and get in touch. All right, well, John McBride, thank you so much for joining the hashtag highred podcast. This is, you know, I feel like the, the theme that we, we both keep saying here is important, but, but it's worth saying it again, because this is so important um, to, to BYU, to higher education, um, to our society at, at large here. Um, so thank you for coming on the show. Uh, before we let you go for, for individuals who, want to learn more about this Who maybe want to ask you some specific questions that I didn't get to in the show, um, where can our listeners find you?
1: Yeah, uh, reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at jmcbe 84 there, uh, jmcbee84. Um, so find me on Twitter. Would love to connect there and, and have a chat.
0: Excellent. And, and of course, each week on the show, we ask our guests to give a social shout out to a colleague or an individual that deserves more recognition of their work I feel like I've asked you so many tough questions today, John. Uh, hopefully this is now more of a softball, but uh, you know, who who do you have picked out for this section?
1: Yeah, th- there's actually someone pretty top of mind. Um, I'm g- going to go across the pond for this one, but uh, Justin Lang at the University of Queensland in Australia is doing some pretty incredible things. He presented uh, at EduWeb in San Diego this last year. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at... Juzzy Lang, J-U-Z-Z-Y-L-A-I-N-G. Um, he, he was given the Best of Track Award for his presentation there. It was really incredible. Um, just one thing from that presentation that kind of blew me away and that we're actually looking to implement here and had some huge discussions about uh, with our staff as a whole after I uh, told them the takeaways from EduWeb. Um, but they have this goal of getting 10 pieces of content for every one hour they spend with a professor. Um, you know, doing research stories or things like that, uh, really maximizing their time. That's So we're going to try something similar. I'm not sure if we're ambitious enough to do 10, but uh, this is going to give us some really cool opportunities in our office uh, to collaborate in some ways we haven't before with our photo, video, uh, social, editorial teams. Um, but but anyways, he, he's been great to work with. I've sent him a few emails after EduWeb. He shared some things with me, but uh, really a cool international... Leader in uh, higher ed communications.
0: Oh, ah, yeah, very cool. Actually, yeah, I met Justin at, at EduWeb this year, or EduWeb at this year, um, and well, yeah, he he beat us out for best of track, and I wasn't even disappointed. Oh, yeah. It was an amazing presentation, <laughs> um, and and something that I'd actually uh, am hoping to to get Justin on the show. So great that you brought him up, um, and yes, the ten pieces of content in one hour is incredible and uh, definitely worth bringing up. So. Uh, Fantastic! So go follow Justin on on Twitter. Go follow John 100% on Twitter. Um, John, once again, thank you so much for joining the hashtag High Red Podcast. Uh, It's been a pleasure to to learn more about such an important campaign that you launched here. And uh, looking forward to seeing where else you go from here.
1: Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me on, Stephen. Really appreciated the opportunity to chat today.